How's it going, everybody? My name is Cole Harvey. Welcome to the first episode of my new podcast I'm trying out about anything related to comics, graphic novels, manga, or anything of that sort. This is actually not the live recording because I failed to mention a couple important things when I introduced myself that time. So first thing, we're going to be spoiling the book. We're going to be talking about the plot and just all the minor details that we could think of. So if you're not interested in that, I would stop here or read the book first. Secondly, obviously everything we're saying is subjective and just opinion because this is art. So please don't be offended by anything we say in this or any future podcast because obviously it's different for everybody. So won't take up any more of your time. Uh, thank you for listening. Here is the live recording. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's uh, Fahed Ram, and this podcast will be kind of talking about different graphic novels that we both come across. And yet the first one indeed will be the uh, graphic novel uh, Springtime in Chernobyl by uh, Emmanuel so i guess i'll start with how i found this so when i first got into comics uh, i noticed that it was clear that french artists were much better than american artists and i was just honestly just perusing through french artists just a like massive list i didn't seek this out or anything and i just had noticed that his kind of painting and very moody style seemed um pretty amazing i didn't even know the contents of the book at all i didn't know it was non-fiction i had no idea i just ordered it what about you have you ever heard anything about this or the author before this podcast i i had not um come across either the the, the author or the book before um cole suggested it so yeah it was a new one for me but i'm yeah we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um the book but yeah that's how i came across it it was a uh, on cole's uh, suggestion all right, so the basic gist of the book, without spoilers, I don't know how I'd spoil this for you, but I don't think it's possible, but uh, <clears throat> basically, Emmanuel Lepage is a, he's a, he's a comics artist. He's, he's with a group of other artists of ver various fields, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's poets, musicians, painters, stuff like that. And they decide that, they decide they're going to take a trip to Chernobyl as, I can't remember what, what the title of their group is called, the activist group, you know? Yeah, what, it, what is it called? Um, something to the, to the effect of, like, the active artists or, like, art activists, something like that. Uh, yes. Yeah. They decide to go in, take a trip into Chernobyl, share their it's thoughts. It's called the, illust oh, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, the illustrative, the illustrativists, that's what they're called. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to make a, they're going to make a book, um, and they're going to, all the funds are going to go, I believe, to the people of Chernobyl, is that right? Or, what, what, because they're originally doing this, this isn't the book that was made then, this isn't the book that was made uh, as, you know, the statement and to raise money or anything, but... A lot of the images I figured out from that book, which was called Flowers of Chernobyl, are in this book. Oh, okay. I think that they were doing either, it was either fundraising or to try and raise awareness around kind of um, the issues of nuclear energy, because at the start of the book, they, a lot of them are 
talking about protests that they've taken part in to sort of prevent um, the building of uh, nuclear power plants. Nuclear power, in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think it's probably something around that. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, they're trying to raise awareness for the dangers of nuclear power. But um, And we have a couple main characters. We have, they're all just part of his group. Um, there's, I'm not going to name them all, but a big one is Gilda, who is the bald artist man in here that's in a lot of the pages and he actually he and emmanuel lapod are the ones that made flowers in chernobyl which i would never try and purchase because it's about 500 dollars now but Ooh, that's yeah expensive, isn't it oh, yeah wow. it's just like a one-time printing thing of course so that's probably why but uh looking at it i could see yeah it was his hit gilda and emmanuel's uh, art in there, and a lot of the art in there actually that was by Emmanuel gets repurposed for this. So we're not missing out a ton. But essentially, there is no plot further than that. It's they're they're just wandering around, kind of looking at the present state of these places around Chernobyl. Do you think there's any real uh, plot here? I well, I think there is a slight sort of. Um plot with Emmanuel before the event kind of struggling with his confidence about why he's been asked to join on this ex expedition and um, his problem, the problem that he had with his hand and then kind of when he gets there um, he kind of, I think his confidence build, builds up and like the pain in his hands go but there's not much yeah, there's not much kind of like this guy has got this goal at the end Mm -hmm. that he's struggling to achieve throughout the story there's not much of um a plot in that way i don't think but um yeah, yeah we're not trying to like overcome anything physically like no there's no bad guy or yeah, yeah. there's no kind of like uh, emotional obstacle internally that he has to kind of um overcome it's more a story about this guy going to this place and discovering things perhaps that he wasn't expecting to be mm -hmm. there i think that's kind of the major one of the major themes of the of the book yeah and that part with the <clears throat> the very first time that the hand is introduced the his hand starts to cramp and basically lock up and he's not able to draw he's in immense pain and that's right before his trip to where they're going i guess this the chernobyl area yeah and he that actually ha starts right after he's planned the trip and it doesn't alleviate until he's basically there so you you kind of have to wonder and he's try he tries all these crazy methods to get his hand to, to, to just work he does like acupuncture and some crazy types of medicine i have no idea what they mean and uh nothing works he can't draw so uh he brings like charcoals soft pencils and brushes and stuff which i assume unless this is his normal style like guess i don't know um is why this book takes the i guess the visual stance that it does it's all yes. kind of painterly and brushy not a lot of like hard pencil lines well i've been i, I did a little bit of reading around the part lots of reviews of the pages kind of work and one of the things that a lot of people do comment on is that he has got like um a kind of interesting line style and he's an excellent excellent um colorist as well which i think probably adds to the um to kind of like the, the painterly kind of influence but yeah um yeah maybe that's a, also a major factor 
into why this we need to have a comparison with some of his other works i think to kind that's of very that, true yeah yeah to make that um sort of comparison and that that the, the decision on that yeah if i if i were to open another of his books and it was like a, a pencil like a primarily penciled thing i i don't even know if i would recognize it because this is just you can barely see the lines over all the shadows on this book uh, yes so it's i'm very, very interested very well inked i mean the the only character that you can really for me that repeatedly appears where you can kind of tell that there's a lot of line work put into him is gilda really yes he's he's got kind of a lot of almost classical marvel dc style crutch uh, cross hatching on his face that's that's no so but apart from that yeah it is very cleanly inked cleanly um uh lined as well i think i guess i never thought about that but you're right the the just the sheer amount that gilda shows up and the i guess the time that emmanuel took to render him more thoroughly than everyone else uh i think that shows either just a respect for gilda as an artist or maybe just that was the person he spent the most time with on this trip maybe that was just his his one of his <clears throat> best friends on this trip but uh i did notice gilda's the most common commonly used of his uh of his group yeah well i mean he he does kind of spend a lot of time with him kind of in preparation and kind of on the journey itself it's actually it's quite interesting about um gilda's face because i think he kind of gives a lot of the other characters a lot more detail to their facial expressions than he does to his own sometimes yeah, yeah. we were talking about that when we first read the book I didn't even know. I thought Gilda was Emmanuel Lepage for the first 30 pages. Yeah. Um, because Gilda's just up in the front all the time. Gilda's, he's like, he's on page, he's on page six, which is like page two of the actual art. So he's right at the beginning. And I just thought that was our main guy. Uh, he just kind of stands out to me. I don't know why. Yeah. And um, we was talking about before you also mentioned that um, Lepage is quite often those first few pages got well from from kind of six onwards when they're when they're on the train he's often in the shadows and gilda's the the character that's in the light yeah as well so like his face is uh, far more illuminated as well so yeah you were mentioning earlier the theme of he kind of he kind of feels like a poser he feels he doesn't know why he's going there he yeah doesn't know what he's to gain from this not economically just in terms of his time um but and at the beginning that is the case he feels that way and he's covered in shadow but throughout the book he starts to realize why he's there and he starts to become uh, a a part of the people there i guess and he's he's in the middle of panels now he's in full color uh towards the end he's like he's not just laying in the shadow he's kind of he's surrounded by like a painted landscape and i think maybe thematically that's just how he chooses to uh represent his belonging there yeah i think i think also he he uses color quite interestingly throughout throughout the the book so um most of the book is either i wouldn't say black and white but kind of like um a grayish sepia type coloring and then um he will occasionally you know there'll be odd objects that will be in full color so for example I'm, i'm looking at page 57 at the moment and there's a man 
using a horse and cart and there's um, radioactive barrels in the back. So the entire spread is kind of a sepia colored, but those barrels with a radioactive material are bright yellow and bright red. And he, he used kind of that, that color motif quite sparingly where kind of um, an object in sort of, yeah, Chernobyl catches his eye and he'll, 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 he'll splash color on that. And then as he's kind of more gets more comfortable and realizes there's actually a lot of beauty in the area who will start using full color illustrations to kind of like show show that I mean kind of for me the first um, the first time that occurs is on the the, the big two panel spread um, on pages 94 and 95 is that almost the yeah that that looks like it was reused for the cover because it's not the exact same image but it is just about the same image as on the cover. Yes. He's got um, a different color shirt, I guess, is one of yeah. the only differences. Yeah. So um, at this point, you should... Um, so you've got the the print copy of this, haven't yeah. you? Like, so I read this with um, on a, a digital download, and I originally was reading on my iPad, um, and I didn't realize that a lot of the art relied on two-page spreads because I was only able to read on my iPad in a, in a PDF format and I was looking at the art this, this doesn't look right so it made me realize actually a lot of the art is on on two page spread so I had to kind of download it in a another format and read it on my um on my MacBook and you know, this is kind of a bit of a geeky area for me but I think as digital formats become more and more prevalent I think it's if you're an artist or a publisher and you're releasing your comics on um, a digital format you kind of need to think about that from the ground up it can't be because you'll end up with experiences like what i had where i, I didn't realize like i was missing out on the artwork so you know that's kind of a, a bigger big area of interest for me but yes it's once i realized it was a stunning two-page <laughs> spread it, you know the artwork started um coming to life a little bit more and he does that quite a bit in here. So if you if that was a problem, you know, like on whatever device you're reading, it would be kind of yes. like a constant problem. Uh, he does a lot of stuff where like a top panel might just creep into a, the second page, so it's it's not the entire two page spread, right? But then you're missing like what a quarter of a yes. panel because you need to turn the page. Um, and you, I so I have it in print, and although I would. I would never say that there's bad storytelling going on here. It actually happened to me anyway. Just the the way that the the left hand panels that are stacked here sometimes threw off my reading order of the of the panels. So I would sometimes skip to the right page and then realize I'm a completely far ahead. And um, I, that's probably a me thing, uh, but it's not always clear. So when it comes to um, comic book reading theory, the um, the idea is that um, the panel should form like a, a Z formation. So it should go kind of like from left uh, left to right, then you go diagonally down to the left again, across to the right, diagonally down. So with some of these um, two-page spreads, I'm looking at one on uh, pages 114 and 115, and remember, I remember when I read this for the first time, um, I kind of, I didn't realize I needed to read the panels across 
the entire two stage spread and then go back then go down diagonally, uh, yeah then die so i was i yeah that's you know exactly what happened to you happened to me as mm -hmm. well kind of i read the the top panels on sort of page 141 then i went down diagonally to the next um speech uh speech box on page 114 when i should have gone across to 115 and then gone back down across to 114 yeah so yeah there's um interesting use of um kind of if you know what the rules are and you break them that kind of makes sense but if, if you're reading comics for the first time or even experienced readers like ourselves it, it, there are a few double page spreads that are a little bit confusing i don't i don't think that's ever like a handicap or a real issue it's just kind of a thing um yeah yeah so like on that 114 that could easily be two pages uh, especially if you weren't to see the second page when when you opened it, yeah, that uh, yes. that's that's a it's a tip. It happens in I a lot of comics. Was, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it was around that time that I realized, uh, this doesn't make any sense. This this one page, <laughs> so I, that's when I then I had to kind of like oh, so switch to a different. Oh, that would worry me if I was digitally reading. I'd go back and make sure I hadn't skipped like three splashes or something. Yeah. So you know, I did reread it again just to make sure that um, I didn't miss out on anything. And I did. There's a few double page, double page spreads where I missed out on kind of the absolute beauty of the artwork that he's kind of um, put in. And it is um, beautiful. Oh my god. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's re remarkably done. Um, I was reading a little bit about his um, uh, biography, and he kind of had his first. Uh, artwork um, published in sort of like daily newspapers when he was like 16 years old. So this this guy was um, obviously very very hardworking, very talented, and um, I also believe he was um, he's been trained as an architect as well. Wow, so really? that's why a lot of the, the buildings in 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 the book look so so good. It's really really difficult to draw buildings. Yeah. Um, actually, it's um it's something that um you know. I've, when you read interviews by artists, it's something they that they struggle with um, sometimes. Um, a lot of the you know, some, some, yeah. a lot of the French and and uh, mangaka type people they make it look so easy, and then in American comics they'll forgo an entire background. We won't even draw a, a single building, let alone some of the stuff he does in here, um, like page fifty-eight, and then over to page yes. over to page sixty. Uh, is yeah. some of the best i guess i don't know how to describe it um it doesn't look photorealistic but it looks completely believable as a building and it almost looks like a photograph but it's it's barely even there's not a lot of lines on those buildings like there's nothing he's doing to make it look overly rendered but it looks exactly how it should look i think he's kind of a master of like he's kind of a master of using like dark space to represent things when he's not actually using any lines there yeah his his lighting and coloring is is exceptional um and i think he had to spend had to he had to pay uh spend a lot of time with the with the builders because chernobyl is like a central character in the story oh, yeah. you know i think he was expecting kind of you know i think he he goes on this mission to sort of like create artwork um, about Chernobyl and his expectation is that he's going to be 
creating artworks that show the, the devastation and the degradation and the poverty of the, the people living in the area. And yeah, there is degradation and, and poverty, but he also finds kind of a lot of beauty. So yeah, a lot of these buildings are really run down, but there also there's a there's a kind of also an enchanting quality to them as well, kind of that 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 run down um run down sort of feeling of, of, of a lot of the buildings and sort of the, the ruination of, of the city. Um so yeah it's he had to kind of spend a lot of time drawing that. I suspect. Yeah, I, I think he definitely um, took his time. You can tell, like what I said earlier, he, he has some images from that other book, which I assume most of which are done were done kind of on site, like during his trip. I, I know a couple, I know one for sure uh, that I will point out when I find the page, but the rest I think would be easily found. So page 68 and 69, there's a bottom panel that's a spread. That is yes. in Flowers of Chernobyl, leading me to believe he drew that as he was walking around that area. And that's kind of, he does that a couple times here. There's, there's, these have to be like crayon trees drawn with crayon and landscapes that are just, just barely rendered, but just gorgeous because of his coloring. A lot of this stuff, and there, I, I swear he's using like three to four different styles here. He's using a couple yes. times heavy pencils. Oftentimes he's doing that typical grayscale kind of washy look. And then he's got watercolors in here. He's got crayons. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, a little bit about um, what actually happens to, to Lepage. So he, he arrives in, um, he arrives in Chernobyl and basically these guys are telling, telling him there's certain areas that you can go kind of the disaster, the way it happened kind of, leave some spots that are safe and then spots next to it that aren't safe. So they have to carry out this, um, this piece of machinery to, to let them know kind of where the, um, where the radiation is. And, uh, he, he gets there, he arrives in Chernobyl, does these initial drawings and then they're, they're renting out this, uh, empty house and, uh, they're staying with a translator and they're worried that that found quite an interesting bit of kind of, they're worried about whether or not they should accept food. And they're invited in to be um, uh, guests at other people's house, and they just kind of like decided to, to dive in. So Screw it, we might um, as well, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he starts drawing the locals, and I think that's the point where he, I think it kind of something kind of switches for him. Really, kind of him, kind of meeting, having that. There's a big sort of like sing song around pages eighty-one. I think that's the first kind of sort of get together that they have. And he just slowly starts meeting other people there, exploring the different areas, and then um, you know, interacting with the children and and uh, other people that are living around the the Chernobyl mm-hmm. area. Because he has he has multiple kind of at least one or two uh, get-togethers with groups of people in this, and both times it's full of music and food and laughter, and it doesn't seem. The coloring of it would make it seem like it was dreary if there was no word balloons or anything. But uh, yeah, that must be where he realizes that this place isn't all bad because these people live here and they they're having a better time than him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I liked that a lot. That if there's anything that would be opening his eyes, it would be that. Yes. There's um there was one character that kind of um stood out to me. I think he was the 
he's got like a gold tooth. I think he's the husband. Oh, the of, looter one. Yeah, the looter one. I was like, I want to read. I want to read a, a story about his life. He seems like a quite interesting gentleman, kind of like going into a radioactive, um, radioactive wasteland to kind of find things to kind of like sell on the black market. That's that. That seems like quite an interesting character. And he seems sort of like quite gregarious and kind of like, ah, you know, if I get something happens to me, you know, whatever happens to me is going to happen to me. It's kind of like I'm not a kind of. I, you know, I feel like I've had like a uncles that have got that same sort of. Um, Attitude, you know, he's ah, whatever it is, it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a bit lazy, laissez faire towards the, the risks that he's taking. But to him, he lives in that area, that's just it's just his normal. job, yeah. I yeah. love the part when Manuel asks him, or maybe it was maybe it was his friend Pascal, I can't tell from the art exactly, but he asks why he's taking that stuff and who would buy it. And he said, You guys, you guys buy it in the United States. And uh, like the Westerners <laughs> buy it, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, <laughs> they really, they were they they asked for more than they could uh, handle there." I feel like. Yeah, why would you want stuff? On, uh, anyway, considering our my perception stuff. here, I guess of of Chernobyl in America, uh, if if a lot of people read that America or European countries were the ones buying all that scrap, they would be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because they don't yeah. teach us that it's all right there. It's supposed to be a wasteland. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of the central assumption, I think, that the book is trying to kind of tackle that. The, the first section of the, the first, I think, five or six pages are him describing exactly what, the, what happened in the Chernobyl disaster. And he's got all these built up assumptions about kind of what he's going to find there. And then obviously those um, assumptions are kind of first challenged by the, the people mm-hmm that he meets and then kind of um, as he explores the landscape a bit more that he finds it beautiful. I I think it's yeah. kind of broken up, not exactly halfway, but the first half before the color starts to seep in seems almost like his expectations of Chernobyl. And then after he meets that first family, he he realizes, and then the second half becomes the reality of Chernobyl, where there's a lot of color, there's there's happy families. I mean, of course, there's ba- there's obviously there's radiation and people get sick and those things are going to happen. But people are are living there and enjoying their lives, and that's kind of the second half. Whereas the first half is exactly what you think it'd be. It's it's history. It's straightforward. It's dark. He's walking through radioactive cities, and it's it's kind of like a whole chapter one chapter two type deal to me but it's not broken up that way in the book yes the other thing that so we're recording this um in april of 2020 and uh for future listeners we're currently going through the uh, covid 19 mm-hmm. um pandemic so a lot of the a lot of the way the um the ukrainian government handled the chernobyl disaster had me feeling funny feelings about kind of ah oh, this is a little bit too familiar yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the moment kind of like a lot of dis- disinformation about exactly how dangerous it is and what you should and shouldn't be doing and um that's very that true. sort of thing yeah i, did, I, so I, I think i like, chose oh. not to think about that but that is very true yeah but um but then again it just goes to show that you know these you know man-made natural disasters life finds a way life finds ways of um 
persevering and going on and adapting and sort of human beings are very um resilient mm-hmm. in kind of all these circumstances so you know even in in an area like this there's the people that choose to live there they don't have to live there they've been i think they they mentioned somewhere in the book they've they've been given sort of like compensation and yeah options to kind of move elsewhere but you know there's kind of old russian ladies that have lived there their entire life or other people that have kind of moved in because i was reading a newspaper article about um ukrainian refugees from the crimea region actually moving to the chernobyl area because there's actually nowhere else in ukraine for them to live so wow and it's probably cheap, yeah, I guess. yeah that's yeah it'll be yeah dirt cheap as well kind of um so yeah he actually mentioned the, the house he rents out i think is something ridiculously cheap like oh, 40 yeah. euros it was like uh, yeah something like that yeah. yeah it was like 40 euros a week or something what was that yeah i was like oh my god yeah i don't, I don't use euros here but i could tell i'd like to pay that for rent yes <laughs> yeah. wow i think what you're saying about these people being like hopeful and happy and they're they're choosing to stay here i think the a different kind of reader i'll say maybe not wrong but a different kind of reader could call that blissful ignorance but these people are not ignorant in any way of their surroundings like the people from uh from france ask him they 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 ask him all the time about the radiation they're like we know i mean it's not it's not healthy and the looter knows but he, he you know he just drinks his vodka he goes to work these people are choosing to live here aware of the dangers because this is where they want to live and uh i don't think that there's anything to knock about that i think it's a kind of an inspiring tale i guess a weirdly yeah. inspiring I mean, tale about how you should live in radiation no, no, yeah that, <laughs> i mean there is kind of kind of underlying hints that it is a very poor area and kind of oh yeah that small town small type small town like poverty is prevalent and there are a couple of characters that i'm spe- specifically thinking looking at page 106 uh, i can't remember what the name of characters but that young man you kind of get the hint that he kind of you know he doesn't really see that he's got any other options but to stay here doesn't really see that you know he can actually move out and kind of explore the world a bit that's kind of the hint well maybe i'm reading too much into kind of like his body language but there's a few kind of like characters like that where you think well they don't really see that they've got much option to, to move anywhere else but there are some people choosing to um to stay there i think that's definitely right that's the that's the same kid that's like is thinking it's badass to go into the radiation without a mask on and stuff yeah, yeah. uh i can't remember his name either is it vasili or vasili yeah i think it might be yeah that sounds that sounds familiar yeah so definitely there is a there's definitely a shift in the younger generation to the people who have lived there their whole lives i i yes. can't imagine being born there and wanting to stay there your whole life but also if you've lived there your whole life you can see how you wouldn't want to leave yeah yeah it's very interesting that looter really interested me you were right he's a very very interesting character he he knows like he's like their main source of this crazy information and you kind of can't tell if he's kind of putting it over the top and exaggerating a bit but uh i would love to have a spin-off book about him you're right Yeah, yeah. How much is he actually um, bullshitting, or yeah. uh, how much of it is actually true? Um, the other interesting part of the, the book that I I found I, I found 
quite interesting is that his the focus on children towards the end so that they they do a lot of um him and gildo go into schools a lot i think towards the end of the book and kind of teach music lessons and art lessons to the the children at the the, the um the local schools and there's a lot of you know especially towards the end of the books sort of a lot of scenes of uh, lepage sort of being pranked by the kids or going out and sort of like playing hide and seek or tag or drawing drawing the um drawing, drawing the uh, children in the, the local area so yeah i found that i thought it was an interesting choice for him to kind of do that and you know obviously he's got a, a young family mm-hmm. at home as well i was surprised the lack of him talk i'm sure it was there in his head the whole time but he never really mentions that he misses his kids or his wife or i, I don't know his situation but yes that is that's true he, he's he's not really thinking too much about what he's left behind but I, I, maybe that's a function of two things because I, I was reading a bit about his biography i think this isn't the first type of um graphic novel where he's apparently he's an avid traveler and he, he does do a lot of books work well he, he does do a lot of work where he's traveling to uh, where he chronicles his travels to sort of like different areas and so maybe he's just used to that a little bit but it is quite interesting where he's in such a desolate area that he's not really talked about his his work kids yeah, it was a very i guess it doesn't you're, it, it's not a missing component but it's 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 absence is felt i think it also might be for the sake of expedience like there's a lot going on in here thematically let's not add in the feelings of of uh missing your family because we're here to talk about yeah. chernobyl but maybe but, you, but i mean you're absolutely right i mean th- there's no scenes of him you know sending emails or calling his wife or family or anything or even talking to to, to gilda about how much he he wants to get get back home yeah really but he does use so I write comics myself and one of the key things that they say is about uh, writing comic books is that you've got a limited amount of real estate and he does use a lot of real real estate on these on these massive two-page spreads and kind of oh, yeah. I want to say there's a slow um, a slow pace to the book definitely he uses a lot of real estate so maybe you know like you said in terms of expediency and actually getting to the heart of the story maybe some of that stuff was um was edited yeah because a lot of the the pace slows way down when he he says all right i'm just gonna on these two pages i'm just gonna show you a wide screenshot of the forest and yes uh maybe not for everyone but i think those spreads took longer for me to look at than if they were full of words because a silent shot like that to me means that he was willing to both take up this much space and add no words so there must be something i can find in this image so i just i looked for it and that's it's a brave thing to do i think you're taking up a lot of real estate with mm-hmm. with no yeah. words and a panel that is essentially non sequitur from the rest of the story yes so i thought that was kind of genius i never was mad about it i was never like oh man i really wish you'd get on with the story or what does this picture of the forest mean <laughs> It's not the kind of yeah. not the kind of book it is. Let's talk a little bit about um, the end of the book. So, like the mid the, the beginning part of the book is his, his journey to get to the Ukraine, and then the the middle part is him coming to kind of terms with the characters and the location, and kind of getting used to 
um, being really careful about where he steps. There's um there's a there's an interesting part where he, he finds this giant mushroom, and that both of them are kind of quite hungry at this point, and they want like fresh produce, and they're thinking, well, if if the mushroom's got that big and no one's touched it, it probably means it's quite yeah it's quite badly yeah. radioactive. Which yeah, it's a good thought. So, um, I would have had the same thought. Yeah. So um, towards the end of the book, he's kind of just living a normal life there as an artist really isn't he he's kind of mm -hmm. drawing drawing the locals playing music and for me the interesting like some of the most interesting uh pages um for example sort of 122 and 123 is he's in a field and he's kind of sketching drawing a picture of a horse next to some stables and then the children kind of come around and say oh, you know what are you doing mister and he's starts drawing kind of the, the different kids and there's uh sketches of uh two of the children in in color i i wondered there i, I had to find some kind of significance because that's just how i am but maybe there isn't any about those i couldn't tell if it was one kid it, it must be two kids but yes what, so they're both just sitting there staring at him as he draws is that just them sitting down for a portrait am i looking too I deeply so. into it okay i i think so yeah yeah i think it's just Two two kids uh, sitting down for a, for a portrait. Kind of the, the the kids behind him start throwing flowers and stuff like that. And then yeah, he him and Gilda start being uh, at this at the school as well. So I think the kids there's something about you know, him interacting with the kids that played a massive change in the way he feels about Chernobyl. And then there's kind of an interesting um, thing that he does is on sort of page 142 to 145 where he's um doing sort of live live sketches of i'm assuming this is artwork that's probably featured in uh the uh, uh the flowers of chernobyl yeah i would assume i loved that part he just starts sketching like crazy there's another sketch of gilda in there of course he even throws some color into the sketches actually now that i'm looking at it i'm gonna just jump into random thoughts of what i had on the themes because honestly I think this is the kind of book you could fit a lot of different themes into this. It doesn't have, in my opinion, a clear message. It has a few definite messages he was trying to send, but I think overall it's open to interpretation and that's kind of what he wanted. What I took from this uh, would be hope. I think it was a book about just about hope in general. I think the clear shift to color and the focus on the children towards the end is him kind of saying that there's hope out there and some of the things that you think you think that they're, they're like this but they're not like that like chernobyl you you look at the first half and that's what you think of it's charcoal it's gray ruined buildings radioactive symbols and then the end it's just like it could be any town this could be any any place it's just kids playing in the street and playing hide and seek and stuff and I honestly thought it was a huge tonal shift, but it felt so natural that I, I honestly didn't even notice. And then the book was over. <laughs> I, it yeah. was just over. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, that's really sweet. Oh, it's over. It ended so sweetly. I uh, I didn't even know what to think. It took me quite a while to process that. What did what, what did you get out of it? What did I get out of it? I, it's a big question. I think one of the, well, for me, the, the two, so I, I went uh, traveling a little bit last year and you know, I, I was traveling around Spain for a bit. It's kind of 
one of the things that I took from it is, you know, when you go to a location, not necessarily to have um, preconceived ideas of what you're going to find there and kind of if you do have these preconceived ideas about what your mission is supposed to be. So I think one of the things he really struggles with in the book is when you're sent somewhere to do a particular thing, but you can't do what's expected of you because he's expected to kind of like do these, you know, devastating drawings of, you know, dilapidation mm -hmm. and poverty and all these things, but he actually finds quite a lot of beauty and he's just thinking, well, what am I actually doing here? So it's kind of being true to your artistic vision, I think is another thing mm, definitely. that's quite a strong um, theme in the book. So even if you've been kind of sent somewhere to do a particular time. You're yeah. right. It's also kind of about finding your place no matter where you are. Yes. He he doesn't even, like he obviously doesn't live here. He's just visiting, but he still feels the need to figure out what he's doing there and why he belongs there, which is a very interesting concept. I don't, I don't usually think like that, but he, he feels compelled to find a reason why he must be there, which is very cool to me. Kind of a, it's very introspective. I think his, you know, his struggling with the justification for, for him being there is quite a strong theme that runs throughout the book because he doesn't be some one of these, um, you know, kind of a, a rubber necker, somebody who's just yeah. coming to do some disaster tourism and kind of be exploitative, exploitative of the of, of the locals. He actually he wants to. If he's going there, he wants to actually serve a purpose and serve the community a little bit, which is, yeah. And you see that. He, he puts on, like, dinners, like, for the for the people. They'll bring their own food and welcome the people into their temporary home. I thought that was really cool. Even right at the beginning, I thought that was really interesting because you don't – you wouldn't expect disaster tourists to be <laughs> having, like, the people in the village over for dinner and being so welcoming and – it was very cool. I also think that without this good of people in his group, like if this was just a bunch of regular people, it wouldn't have been as interesting because yes. there would just been people been like, oh, this is so cool. It's radioactive. But these people aren't there for that. Yeah, I think he was quite indebted to the original translator that they had because I think they, they went along with like a, a news crew or documentary crew, didn't they, when they... um. And they visited, and I think the, the 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 initial translator they had made a big part in sort of ingratiating them into the um into the uh, local community. Yeah, they owe a lot to her. You're right. Yeah, the second translator, I believe she was actually a local, wasn't she? The Anya was the first one. Yes, and the second then... one, Alana. Yes. Alana, there we yes. Go. Yep. Alana. And Vasily, that guy you were talking about earlier, the brave kid, yeah. I think he likes both yeah. the translators. <laughs> yeah, that, was, yeah. that was funny. He comes in life, yeah. Just, well, he's a young man. He's, you know, going to be on, on the lookout, isn't he's he? He's a young man, and I think those uh, may be the only two blonde characters <laughs> in the whole book. Yeah. Uh, that was a, yeah, that was, that's definitely a good point. I never thought about that. I uh, And there, he is very thankful to uh, to Anya in the beginning, and I think it can't be understated how this trip could have gone much different if they hadn't had yes. someone so uh, professional, I guess. Yes. You briefly mentioned kind of the, um, how hopeful you found the ending. So I think it might be just worth describing what happens in the final panels yeah. of the, of the book. He's kind of, he's, he's back home in, um, in Paris and he's showing his children 
kind of pictures of the um, pictures that he's drawn and his, his children are asking, you know, is this boy dead? Is he dead? Is this person dead? And then kind of, I think it's kind of a flashback. And then the very last page is Emmanuel um, playing tag with a bunch of kids. He's leaping out this this building and he's chasing off these children. And uh, one of the kids manages to kind of like tag him on the back. And it is a very, very playful, hopeful, um, colorful image to, to end up yeah colorful and you know um what way to to end the book yeah i honestly thought so it was perfect very, very yeah yeah there aren't many panels that are perfect way to end uh, a book i mean yeah i think that's this as close as you can get it's as close as you can get there yeah i'd agree with that i mean i think it's not a super literal ending but i think thematically it's the perfect ending and uh it yeah. feels a little like his heart's in Chernobyl at the end, doesn't it? Because he's sitting yes. with his own kids. Yeah. He's thinking about playing tag back in Chernobyl. And his own kids are, are kind of... It's like they only read the first half of the book because they think yeah. they think everyone... like Are they dead? Are they dead? Is Grandpa over there? Is it Because I guess maybe it's like heaven to them. Uh, yes, yeah. And he's just... he. I assume he's can't even believe it because he has seen the reality that's where his mind is and yeah that was a gorgeous yeah. gorgeous ending you're right i think one thing it should kind of be made clear the book doesn't make chernobyl like sound like a fantastic place to live no. but it's kind of there is beauty out there and um yeah it's not i have to say as bad as you might think it is but you know if you kind of you should go there with an open heart and an open mind i think if you were minded to visit it for for some reason yeah i don't know why you would but yeah exactly i think uh it's not saying move there now it's saying it's kind of like like beauty is everywhere like no there will be yeah. just because a a person lives in a place that's bad doesn't mean that the person's bad and in this case it's the complete opposite like these people are are beautiful people i, I don't think he even at the beginning when he's like this guy's a looter and it's supposed to be kind of om ominous there's no bad characters no one I'm trying to think of any yes. bad thing that anyone does. I don't think there is a single think thing. Think. No. Which I think means he had a great experience there. The, the closest thing that I can find to like um, maybe something that was unpleasant is him worried about whether or not he should accept potentially radioactive yeah. food from someone he's offering. And that's kind of like, Because uh, they don't really, really make yeah. that choice there. They're, they're just going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just going to eat it. Yeah, that's very true. I love that scene, actually. And then they're like, you know what? Sometimes they they say, I think it happens twice, and once they're like, no, we shouldn't do it. And the other time they're like, all right, let's just dig in. I also think last page, you were mentioning uh, when he sits down with his kids. His kids are at grayscale completely, and the yes. pictures of kids from Chernobyl are in full color. That was super uh, interesting. Yes, very, very interesting choice there. I think, like you mentioned before, it's... Um, you know, maybe he left a piece of his heart back in back in Chernobyl. Yeah, maybe he wants to go back there or go go traveling again somewhere else. But yes, because his children against grayscale events were page one six three. Um, I thought to me this these initial panels looked like someone was. It looks quite sinister. Like mm. the entire page one six three looks kind of like quite a sinister sinister kind of like layout it's kind of like 
they're hiding and they, you know there's one boy you know shushing everyone else and then obviously that uh, that girl's there and they're, they're scrambling out the window it's almost reminiscent of like um one of these world war ii espionage things where like the um the jews are trying to escape from like nazi persecutors yeah. but it turns into kind of this playful hopeful image of you know they're just playing tag so it's um it's a very intelligent use of um coloring all the way through the book very you know, just he uses color masterfully you're very right all the way panel three and four on page 165 yeah that second to last page you that is masterful misdirection like that looks like a bunch of people hiding from an ominous figure and then when it finds them they start to run and it's clearly a bad thing and then it's just a game of tag i thought that was especially for a last minute one more twist of the knife i thought it was really really good yeah i mean you can't, we, we should, looking at the panel now you, you we should have kind of realized it would be a little bit more playful because uh, on on 163 the window is green yeah so yeah. It's, yeah it's kind of like he uses uses these colors to hint all the time at kind of what his um internal emotional kind of um state is and you know as he's the last few pages they do color is kind of a little bit lost in him because i think he's a bit sad about leaving leaving chernobyl behind yeah this is um this 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 book was originally printed in, in french and um whoever did the, the 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 translation for the text did a really good job because it's not the easiest thing to do is to to translate from one language to another with yeah keeping the um keeping kind of the spirit and the the emotion behind the the, the words there so whoever did that did um a really really good job i i agree i've read a lot of books that were originally printed in french and sometimes you might see like a simple punctuation error or some, things like that are common or like just wording but oftentimes it's just you lose tone or emotion just based off choice of words and this was I didn't feel that at all. I guess I've never read the French version, obviously, but I didn't feel this was lacking anything in terms of the words. Yeah, it's yes, it's beautifully, it's, it's beautifully, um, it's beautifully written. Um, I used to work for a company where I had colleagues who were based in France, and quite often I'd have to proofread documents, marketing documents that they had written in English, and they had excellent, excellent English, but again. You know, if with much much practice that they've got, they they didn't have the fluency as an as, as much fluency as a native speaker could uh, have. So they would be kind of odd turns of turns of phrase, and there was there there was none of that in this book. So you know, the the editor and the um the translator really do deserve a great deal of uh, credit for that. Oh yeah, definitely agree. I wonder if I could actually find the translator for this just. Translation by Edward Govan. And this is IDW that published this, which kind of astounded yes. me because the other stuff I owned by IDW is not uh, French memoirs. Yeah. Well, this I think this book, this book was uh, critically acclaimed. So, um, yeah, it's not one of IDW's originals, regular no. originals. Yeah, I mean, they do kind of... I mean, they do do a lot of genre stuff, not necessarily... Um, superhero stuff but it's you know things like transformers and uh <laughs> you know yeah. um kind of the yeah um, that sort of thing the licensed they do a lot of licensed work 
Like they do, they yeah, did GI Joe and they did, they did, yeah, the Transformers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at a page and page now, sort of Ducktales and um, My Little Pony and Star Wars. Yeah, there's usually stuff like that. So um, we're just gonna talk about a little bit about books that are similar to this. But I don't think there's there are that many. So yeah, if you if you wanna go ahead, Carl. All right. So I had maybe one. I can I don't have a lot of books like this. Uh, it's similar in that it's a person foreign to where they're visiting, kind of a journalistic approach. But other than that, very different. Uh, safe area. Garazda, I'm not sure how to say Garazda. Yes. Uh, safe era Grozny. Okay, I, I would never yeah. have ever gotten that. But it's by Joe Sacco. It's more of a wartime journalistic approach. You're not you're not going to get the same hopeful themes, but without getting too deep into it, it's uh, very intense. Much more. I don't want to say action, but it it is about uh, a place that is at war. So. It's a lot darker. Uh, there is still a lot of hope there, and there's a lot of, just like this book, interesting um, character examinations about the people that live in places like this during times like these, basically. I, too, would have, you know, Joe Sacker works come, come to mind. His style is very, very different to Lepage's style. The other two uh, writers that um, kind of come to mind, one is Guy Delisle. He is, again, he's a French a French uh, artist and writer. He he does again travel log books. So he did a uh, one uh, Pyongyang where he's he was um he he works as a animation supervisor. So he had to go to to Pyongyang to to supervise the uh, animators out there. And again, sort of similar themes um, in terms of you know going to a place and having your having some of your assumptions confirmed, but then others challenged um so and again his artwork is both joe sacco and um guy de Lille, I'd, I'd say more cartoony styles yeah. than um lepage he's more kind of a classically trained artillery uh, style of, of almost painterly uh, artwork and then an another book it kind of sort of brought me to mind but not really is um follow me follow me in by um catriona Chapman, which is a, a travelogue about her journey around um, Mexico. Some of the, the color, I mean, she, her artwork again is her line work isn't as, sophist as sophisticated as um, the Page's, but her use of color is reminds me a lot of what Lepage was um, was doing as well. Oh, that is a high recommendation. <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to check that out now. I hadn't actually heard of either of those last two people. Wow, that was informational for me too. Yeah, I, I just want to do a bit. Um, so, if you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, I know some of us, you know, are in lockdown at the moment, and you know, some of the comic book stores are closed, or you, you might, you know, might be furloughed or unemployed. If you want to get access to comics, I'd recommend um, a couple of different places. So, if you've got a mobile phone or an iPad, you can download download this app called Libby. And if you're a member of your local library, um, you should be able to register with with Libby on that and download uh, graphic novels from there. And also, um, Marvel are offering a bunch of free comics on their app, as is uh, Comic House. So Comic House are giving 
months free access to um, the independent uh, uh, comic books that they have on their app as well. So if you can't afford to buy comics at the moment, those are a few options for you to um, get your reading fix in. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll add one more, actually. Um, I don't know. I think you said Livy is the one, but we have a similar app for libraries here. Maybe it's just my state. I don't even know. But Hoopla is an app. Uh, you can register it with your library, and you can get a bunch of free comics that way. It's it's more of a rental-type deal, but, I mean, free comics are free comics, especially during yes. during when none of us can work. So, Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same thing with Libby. You can borrow them, I think, for 7 or 14 days, but yeah. All you need is to have an, a library somewhere near you, so that's a small price to pay for free comics. And the Humble Bundle has been packaging up, like, entire creators' works and packaging them for from free to just the humble bundle model you know you pay what you want and you get more if you pay more so they've been doing that uh with just various creators right now it's jonathan hickman writer of east of west yeah you get east of west manhattan projects a bunch of the red wing a bunch of his indie stuff and you'll get almost all of it so if you're interested in that go grab that quickly yes good advice oh yeah good stuff well thank you dude that was um really enjoyable it was really fun, man. Thank you. Hope to do it again soon. Yeah, guys, uh, stay the fucking doors. All right. Please, so, please. <laughs> please stay indoors. All right. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed, guys. Bye. <laughs>